0: we are listening to Eternal Stance. I hope this message inspires you to live in light of eternity. Well, uh, I dressed up like I've always wanted to dress up for youth, uh, and now I feel a bit way too dressed up. Uh, if you are wearing something like Max, then I'm just saying, you know, well, you know, Max, you actually look good, don't worry. Uh, if you wonder why I'm so dressed up, I don't usually come like this to, to youth ministry, it's just I, I was at work, and then I drove straight from work here, so don't let that distract you, okay? Just put that out there, you know, don't allow that to just kind of become like, oh, I wonder, I wonder like, oh, if you wonder, I wonder where he shops at. Uh, Ross (laughs) and Marshalls and TTG Maxx. we're like best friends. But like, so uh, some of the girls are like, yeah, we can tell. Um, But Julie actually, is really excited that I should change my shirt. This is new. You haven't seen this before, I know. Because um, I'd wear the same shirt for like three weeks in a row. And you're like, yeah, that's what you wear last ride I saw. Like, and I'm like, how do, how do people have time to point this out, right? Like, how do people like But apparently Julie does. Uh, and Ida, I think, a lot of times points that out. Um, regardless, I think, regardless how you're dressed up, and how you came here. And what it took for you to get here. And maybe if you don't feel like you belong in here. I want to make it very clear that you are amongst awkward people. But you belong here. I want to make it clear that there's a reason why God has brought you here today. And uh, it has to do with something bigger than anything that you've ever wanted for your life. He sees things from a literally from a way higher perspective, because he's a lot higher than us, he sees things completely different. He doesn't see it like every single one of us sees it. So when you're going through a trial, through a difficulty, trust me that when he says in Romans 8, 28 and 29, when he says that in all things, I work for the good of those who love me, he means that. And I want you to really, maybe, if you haven't done that already, make sure you memorize that that verse. Every single time you feel like giving up, every single time you feel like, okay, I'm done, I'm not doing this anymore, I want you to remember that in all things, God works for good for those who love Him and are called according to His purpose. I, I try not to lose sight of that, but a lot of times it's very hard. You probably know that already a lot of times you feel like really not caring and just kind of be apathetic and like I just I remember growing up like I'd I'd have those moments a lot but I was just like I just don't care about things I don't care about you know I just want to do what I do and that's it And, and a lot of times when we go to a conference where we just were at the retreat when you come back you're so excited right like you're so you're so pumped like this week I got a whole bunch of text messages from people that they're like, hey, I really want to serve in ministry more. Like, I really could you look over my sermon? Could you do this? Could you do this? And I'm still trying to get re- I mean, I'm still trying to get back to, to, to reply to all those text messages. But what I want to say is that I get so encouraged that God is moving, God is changing things. But it's easy to have that when you just kind of God from a spiritual like High, right? Like, imagine when you just got off a roller coaster, right? And it was really fun. You're like, let's do that again. That was awesome, right? A lot of times when we start to do ministry, it's kind of like that, where God blesses a specific area of your ministry where you, you maybe had someone that you know and they came to Christ and that kind of gave you a boost, right? And you're like, okay, let's do that again. But then there are moments where you're like, you're like plowing concrete. Have you ever tried to do that? Don't do it. Like, it's, it's kind of pointless. You're like just kind of taking the plow and running it over, but like you, it's not doing much damage. At this ra- I mean, at this pace, I'm not planting any time, anything any, anything soon. And a lot of times, when you feel like you're trying to reach your friends, or maybe you wanna you wanna see your own spiritual life develop and grow, it's kind of like that. It's kind of like plowing concrete. You, you do a lot of work, but you don't have to. You you don't have a lot to show for it like, I think I made a scratch on that concrete just about there, if you look really close. That's how he feels. In those moments, you feel like giving up. Like, what's the point of it all? Why even try? Why be faithful coming every single Friday night? Why be faithful to my block when only three people showed up and one of them is, you know, my family or boyfriend, girlfriend, whatever? And they kind of have to support you on that. So... I'm just saying, how do, you, how, do you, how do you keep on going in those moments? What do you even feel like, you know, you don't, you don't feel like going forward anymore. You see, I think what's even deeper, even if you're not in ministry, we all have a walk with the Lord. And I think what I wanna just take a moment and speak on today is your own personal walk with Christ. I mean, how many times have you said, you're not gonna look at that thing and you did? How many times have you said, I'm not going to be in that position, and you're did? you in exactly the same position, and you feel, okay, you know, tomorrow things will change, and then tomorrow comes, and then next week comes, and next year comes, and then a couple years after that, still things keep on coming, and nothing's changing. I want you to realize that you're at war, and maybe the reason you're not seeing a result is because you have some powerful adversaries you have some really giant forces that you're fighting up against. I mention this a lot, and you probably already know by now, but you're fighting on three fronts. On one hand, you have Satan. And then on the other hand, you kind of right in front of you, you have the world and all the ideas and the culture and all, all the, you know, the pleasure that, that they want you to indulge in, right? And then on another kind of like side, you have your own flesh, that's still corrupt. That's still pulling towards sin. So, so the reason you're not winning is most likely because you have a lot of fights that you're you're going about. And even if you've won with the enemy, even if you kicked him to the curb and said, Get away, not today, Satan. Uh-uh. No. Right? Even if you did that. The world comes with its own ideologies, and like, well, what's the big deal? Just you know, have fun with your friends. Like, it's not that nobody's gonna know about it. Like, you have that, and then and then you have your flesh. That's kind of like hey, you know that feels good. <laughs> you know you want to do it. It's just a matter. Of, it might as well because you're gonna end up doing it anyway. So maybe don't beat yourself up over that too much. Is what I'm saying. Obviously we preach repentance. Obviously, we want you to go to the cross. Obviously, sin is never okay with God. Obviously, you know, there's... there's God has set up some laws, that once you break those, we have to come and restore that relationship with God that we've broken. But I want you to understand, a lot of times when you feel guilty and ashamed, you know, God is going to bring conviction, but the enemy always brings condemnation. He always comes and says, well, What what kind of Christian are you if only the people in church knew who you really are? Do you really? I mean, you don't deserve heaven. You don't deserve God to be nice to you. I mean, look at the person that you are. That's the enemy speaking. I want you to not confuse those those two things. When the Holy Spirit comes, he convicts you. He says, that is sin. That is brokenness. But come back to the cross. Come back to our Lord and Savior and the only hope for all of us, Jesus Christ. This really smart guy said this, David Hunt said this, the choice we face is not as many imagine between heaven and hell. So he's talking about the daily grind, the daily thing that we, we kind of have to fight up against. Rather, the choices between heaven and this world even a fool would exchange hell for heaven but only the wise will exchange this world for heaven so the reason it's so appealing to you is because you're not really faced right now even though it is a choice between heaven and hell ultimately right now in the daily grind you have to choose do i serve god or do i go with my feelings do i go with what the enemy says do i go with what the world says that is the choice that we face, and a lot of these choices are presented to us. they're very appealing. Like it's not like, "Oh, do you like to um, do you like to hug a cactus? No, thank you. That's not something I really want to do. I'm free time. Period. Right? Do you want to hug a porcupine? Nope. Not on my plan. Sin is not like that. It's not like so, something so repulsive that you're like. Yep, not interested. No sin—it's—it's—it's it's a, it's a deception where it's—it's it's presented to you in a way that's appealing, but in the end, it'll kill you. That's what it is. It's presented to you, so you always have to make that choice. And then the bigger kind of perspective here, Augustine said this: says this, the soul is torn apart in painful in a painful condition as long as it prefers the eternal because of its truth, but does not discard the temporal because of its familiarity. So what Augustine here is saying is we know that God exists. We have that truth in us. We know about eternity because there's so much in us screams that, right? There's got to be more to, the, to this life than just sort of, you know, today and w- whatever I can get out of life. I think once you get past 25, you really realize pretty quickly the money doesn't really bring the joy that was promised to you. Money might give you freedom, right? Like if you have money, you don't have to work. So you can actually, you know, enjoy your time how you wanna enjoy your time, but like money is not gonna satisfy. We have a desire in ourselves that nothing in this world can satisfy. This speaks of something that's greater, C.S. Lewis, you guys are really familiar with this quote because it's one of my favorite and you guys hear it all the time. He says, if I find myself a desire that nothing in this world can satisfy, then ultimately the the logical conclusion that I can come up with is that I was made for a different world. What he's saying is is if I have a desire for food, there's food to satisfy it. If I have a desire for sex, then we understand that in the right context, that's a gift. And that's, that, that desire can be satisfied in, in God's timing, in God's way. But this, this desire that we have for the eternal, for there's got to be more to life than just now. Nothing in this world satisfies that. So, so what Augustine is saying is... <laughs> Our soul is torn apart because it knows there's more than this, than this life. So you know, he, the, our soul knows this truth, but then everything looks so familiar to us. The cars, the money, you know, the people, you know, the, the, the things, the nice things you can get, you can touch, you can hug, you can smell, so on and so forth. And it takes over your senses and it's so familiar to you. So we're constantly torn apart between what we know to be true and what's so readily available, so, so familiar to us, so We're drawn towards that. I mean, can you go and hug God? It's, it's not, you're like, oh, is that a trick question? Kinda is. Can you go and hug God? Well, of course you can go have a devotion with God, but God is not something where someone that's tangible, right? You can go hug a person, right? So, to us, this idea of going and and having a relationship with God is somewhat foreign. We know it's true, but it's kind of foreign. But we can can have our relationship with people, and that's why it's so hard, because our souls are torn apart between that and that. What I'm telling you is, is that it's hard, it's not easy. I mean we have a lot of problems as far as like in ministry. I mean you have a lot of different people with different kind of like you know problems and I always say that people are messy. Cuz they are. You know people even in church. I mean there's a lot of people that you know they didn't, you know, they they you know how hurt people hurt people and forgiving people, forgiving people, forgive people. If a person all of they all the experiences hurt, they're going to carry that with them in church. And they're going to start hurting other people. So if you're in part of this youth ministry and some, somebody gossiped about you, if somebody you know, spoke ill of you or if someone just kind of like doesn't like you, please understand that you're in the church and in church people will hurt you. But this is also a place where God's going to heal you. God's going to speak to you. God's going to raise up people around you that are going to love you and care about you. Kind of like our families, you know? A lot of them are very dysfunctional. But in that environment, we learn how to care about one another and to love one another and so on and so forth. And when I just read at the beginning is Romans 8 15 says so you have not received the spirit that makes you fearful of slaves instead you received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children so God is saying is even though you live in this struggle and you constantly are fearful do you realize that that fear is not from God God did not give you the spirit of fear but God gave you the spirit of love and that of a sound mind and he called you sons and daughters he called you a child of God so what I'm I'm trying to tell you is that even though you struggle, you don't struggle as a slave, you struggle as a son. Even though you struggle, you don't struggle as a slave, you struggle as a son. You know the difference? If you obviously to us it's such a foreign concept because none of us have servants or slaves, right? And God, I'm so glad we don't live in that time. I am so glad that people realize at some point that this is a very wrong thing to do. However, what God is saying here is is if you had a servant in the house and you had a son, they might do the same tasks, but the son is different because he has an inheritance. The son is different because he has a relationship. So even though he might go through the same tasks, he might go through the same, you know, taking out the garbage and do all those things. At the end of the day, he understands that, that he has a relationship with the father and there's an inheritance at in the end of this. When he turns 18, well, guess what? There's an inheritance. So what I want to tell you is no matter how tough things get, at the end of the day, Do you realize that you're not struggling as a slave, you are struggling as a son. And and because you're a son in the family, because you have a relationship with Jesus Christ himself, then at the end of your life, there's there's a reward for that. There's a, a reward for your struggle. If I told you, if I told you that all you have to do is just outlast one hour and you get a million dollars. Even if they held you upside down, right? Even if they did, you know, Whatever they did to you, hopefully it's not kill you, but you would suffer through that because you understand that it's a huge reward at the end. That's why athletes, right, they, they discipline their bodies and they wake up every day at four. Maybe the first example is kind of weird for you guys to understand, but like think of an athlete, right? Like they, they, they do a lot of work for what? Because they understand one day there's a reward, one day they can get a medal. One day they can get the recognition and the 50 minutes of fame that, hey, I put in all these years to train for this. You're not struggling in vain is what I'm saying. In your struggle against sin, in your, in your struggle against trying to keep your block together without, well, without it falling apart, in your struggle of making it through another day, and I wish that God would come and say, Slavik, here's a... Here's a truckload of grace. You want a truckload of grace? Here's a truckload of grace. But that's not how he works. You want mercy? Oh, here's a truckload of mercy. That's not what he does. What he does is says, I'm going to give you enough grace and mercy to get you through another day. How about Friday night? How about Saturday morning? Is that? I'll get you through, through tonight. And then tomorrow morning, I'm going to give you another, another measure of grace for that day. Remember how in the wilderness, like the the Israelites would go every single day to pick up manna, because if they would save for the for for like tomorrow, that that food would get bad. You see, if we had all resources, if you had twenty leaders in your small group, well, guess what? You don't have to rely on the Lord. You might rely on them. If you had you know, if you, if you could just kind of like, hey, snap your finger and everything, all your sin goes away, you won't need the Lord for that. So in your struggle, trust me, God is produces, producing patience. God is shaping you to make you into a woman and a man. Of God, that He's called you to be. I wish I, I say this with our leaders all the time. I'm like, I wish God would just snap you into perfection, right? Like it would be nice. Oh, you became a Christian? You're perfect. You'll never sin again. You won't be lying. You won't be doing the weird things that only you know in the darkness of your mind at night. You, you, you won't be doing, you know, when he when hide behind the church parking lot, and, like, you won't be doing that. What if, what if that was the case? That would be amazing. But if you look at Jesus' in ministry, even Jesus walking this earth, even the people he was walking with, they weren't perfect. I mentioned one of our leaders at this, this retreat. Jesus had a pretty weird small group too. Okay? You know, Jesus went and preached to the thousands, but then he had the 12. And now we look at the 12 people, right? Like, oh, the 12 apostles, that was, they were amazing, they were great, but trust me, they were not perfect. You know, Peter was always the guy, like, oh, yeah, me and Jesus, like, we went, we preached, and people, yeah, it was great. Like, we have such a great friendship. Like, it, it was amazing. That was Peter. Like, he would say things before he would really think them through, you know? And then Jesus said, can you guys? Yep, yeah, I got it. I got it. I'll do it. You, you have those small, I mean, you have those small group, you know, leaders where, where people in your block that do that, right? Like, Hey, yeah, I got this, I got it. But they don't really think what's entail. Like what And then when, when the time comes for them, to, for them to actually perform that task, they're nowhere to be found. Jesus, yeah, I'm going go to go with you to the cross. I'm going to go. Even if everyone left, I won't leave you. Peter, what were you exactly when Jesus was going towards the cross? Maybe you spoke a bit too, don't you think? Yeah, John, yeah, but me and Jesus, like we have such a great friendship and it's so awesome. You know, like this one time, like I just leaned on his chest and I felt the connection. You have those small group people, right? Like you have people like that in your small group. And they're like, John, kind of weird. (laughs) Sure, it's fine, I guess. People are like, oh, you know, John is, he's got his own little world, right? Like, he kind of lives in that. And then you had Matthew, the tax collector the IRS, and everyone was suspicious of him, like, is he going to report me? And Judas, well, we know about his story. He's a, he, was, he was a betrayer. And if you thought that maybe some people in your block didn't succeed, and you've tried everything possible, And still, they turn out the way they turn out. Remember that even Jesus lost one. Even Jesus had about a 95% success rate. So when you do everything you can to minister to people or to help people, and they spit in your face and they betray you and all that, remember that you shouldn't reply based on how they treated you. You should reply on how much you're loved by Christ himself. Jesus had his own struggles with his own small group. And he had people that called them demon-possessed. So if you have religious people that tell you they are crazy in your mind, in your head, you're you're not in a bad place. Even Jesus was called demon-possessed. And he says, if they treated me like this, Do you think they're gonna treat you better? In this world, Jesus says you will have struggles. But guess what? Rest assured that you will overcome because I overcame the world. So the hope that we have in our struggle is that Jesus overcame it, and we can too. I want to give you four things that you can do practically. That's one thing that I try to do in my sermons is to give you practical things that you can do, that you can take your relationship with the Lord to the next level. No matter how imperfect you are, no matter if you just right before this you sinned, no matter what you're going through, I wanna give you four things that you can, that would be tangible to you, that you can actually do, right? And, And that you would actually succeed. The first thing is to turn your eyes on Jesus. I don't know if you have any other plan, but I don't have a plan B. So when you sin, the first thing that I hope you do is you go back to Jesus, back to the cross. And repentance, I've mentioned this you know, before, and I'm, I'm going I'm to mention it a lot of times from now on. Repentance, it's not a when you sin thing. Repentance is a every second thing. You're constantly examining yourself. Am I living in the faith? Am I walking with the Lord? Am I, uh, am I on the right path? You're constantly putting your eyes on Jesus, who's the author and the perfecter of our faith. And as you put your eyes on Jesus, and there's going to be times when, when you're going to have to go to the cross and just bawl your eyes out because of the sin that's in your life, I really encourage you that you will never go a second without repenting when you just sinned. I hope that you're like Peter, even though you've messed up bad, you, the next thing you do is you go back to the cross and say, Lord, forgive me. Would you restore me? Would you, would you put me back where, where you called me to be? It's an ever second thing. The next thing I hope that you can do and I hope that you take out of this is first to put your eyes on Jesus. But the next thing is there has to be growth. You cannot tell me that you're a Christian if you're in the same position that you are today than you were five years ago. If your Christian walk is exactly the same as it was five years ago, I'm not sure you're saved. I know that's a big statement. I, and I'm not joking about this, guys. I'm not joking. This is not like, "Oh, I'm questioning your salvation type of joke. This, that's not what it is. Faith changes things. If nothing's changing your life, if you're not growing, then you, you need to go you need to grow the cross. You need to re-examine your faith. There has to be growth in your life. You cannot, you cannot do away with that. First Peter 2 says this, So get rid of all evil behavior. Be done with all deceit, hypocrisy, jealousy, and all unkind speech. Like newborn babies, you must crave pure spiritual milk so that you will grow into full experience of salvation. Cry out for these nourishments now that you have had a taste of the Lord's kindness. Put your eyes on Jesus. You know, I love, this, I love this song that says, put your eyes on Jesus and the, the, the things of this world will become strangely dim, meaning they will disappear in your life. So as you put your eyes on Jesus, the next thing is the Lord is gonna open things in your life like jealousy and hypocrisy. He's gonna, he's gonna open things in your life like envy and hate as you put your eyes on jesus you gotta say this is what i should look like and my life is nowhere near close and you you'll cause you to be convicted of your sin and say god would you change me would you restore me and that will start planting a seed of repentance and you start seeing uh, just a little bit of growth just a little bit you know growth doesn't happen overnight It, it takes time but in due season you start seeing fruit of your labor you're you still saw, you saw seeing how you're no longer hateful, how you love people, how you care about people, and so on and so forth. Put your eyes on Jesus. Make sure you grow. The third thing is make sure you serve. Nothing changes a person like dying to themselves and saying, I'm gonna put other people's needs above mine. Nothing changes a person than dying to yourself Obviously, Jesus is the one who does the change. I want to make that very clear. But he does it by, by putting your passions on, on what he loves, and that is people. So if you came in here and you're like, I don't know, I'd love to serve, but, you know, I don't know if I should clean after spoken truth. By the way, one of the great worst things, why I don't like about New Year's, you know what I don't like about those parties? the Aftermath. When the same five people have to clean up the whole building. You came here, you had fun. And I can say it now because, you know, I want to have a good cheer on that party night. Um, but I can say it now that, like, every single year we do that. It's the same five or ten people that stay and vacuum everything and make sure everything go above and beyond. And at 7 a.m., they just kind of, like, just pass out on some couch or on a chair. You're like, you shouldn't be doing that. for you. It's not good for your neck. Right? Like... But it's the same people that I see constantly. Well, because the Islamic guys just don't understand, like, my calling is not really into hospitality, you know? If I told my mom that, if my mom told me, take out the garbage, and I'm like, yeah, but you understand, like, my calling, um, it's not about, uh, you know, disposals and garbage, and, you know, taking the uh, garbage out. You know what she'd say? Oh, you're gonna find your calling really quick. (laughs) like if right now you're gonna find your calling and you know i'm right on this one because your mom does exactly the same thing with you oh you don't want to clean out your room because it's not your calling oh you'll find your calling service jesus himself wasn't too good to wash this disciple's feet jesus himself was not too good to touch the lepers don't tell me you cannot reach out to the homeless people because it's not your calling don't tell me you cannot serve other people while everyone's gone or whatever you cannot wash the dishes. Trust me, it's not as bad as washing people's feet. They stink a lot worse than food that was just is just fresh. If Jesus being God founded in his calling to serve us, trust me, there's no job that's below any of us. Serve. And the last one is share your faith. God has called us to be witnesses. The great commandment is to love one another. And the great commission goes hand in hand with that. And that is to go and preach to to, to the whole world. The great commission is not a suggestion. It's a command. If the Lord Jesus Christ is the Lord in your life, we have no time for excuses. The Great Commission or the Great Command are not suggestions. They're things to be obeyed. They're commands. You are my friends because you love me. You are my friends if you do what I command you. Those are Jesus' words. I'll read you some quotes by some really smart guys. Hudson Taylor was a missionary that went and kind of like did missions in mainland China. He says the Great Commission is not an option to be considered. It is a command to be obeyed. The church C.S. Lewis says exists for nothing else but to draw men and women to Christ, to make them little Christs. If they are not doing that, all cathedrals, clergy, missions, sermons, even the Bible itself are a waste of time. God became man for no other purpose. If we are not reaching our community, your college, your our city, you know, our state, our nation, if we're not doing that, all we're doing here, playing for each other, it's pointless. Yeah, it's great that you got in. God has called you to take the same thing to the ends of the earth. Put your eyes on Jesus. Make sure that you track your progress. You track your calories you track your gym some of you okay fine some of you track your gym attendance and how much weight. I mean how much weight you did last time you should track your growth your spiritual growth there's things that I used to do at 16 years old that I cringe at now but even today I have things that I need to to work through and sins that I have to co- confess daily it's, it's all Man, I, I hate it I hate it When I just You know, like I, I'm so good And I'm, I'm excited for what God's doing in my life And then I sin And everything changes And I, I hate that sin with a passion But for whatever reason If it's the enemy Or if it's the world Or if I gave into my own flesh I sin and I'm like Lord, you know that's not who I am I hate those moments But I have to go and do business with the Lord Put your eyes on Jesus. Make sure you grow. Serve and share your faith. I'm going to call to prayer. There's this powerful quote by Curry Blake. It says this, If your gospel is not or isn't touching others, it hasn't touched you. If you're having, if you're, if you're having a really hard time explaining to people what the gospel is, most likely because you don't understand it. If you cannot witness to what God is doing in your life, is because you're not allowing the Lord to work in your life. He's called us to be witnesses. He's called us to share that with every single person that you encounter. If your gospel or your message is not touching others, it hasn't touched you. I want to mention this this amazing story. Um, this guy's name was William Border, Border, I think, Border. And he was a student, I think he died at the age of 29. And it, it was amazing to see how he started a small group of a prayer group in, on his college campus and they became bigger and bigger and bigger. And then he decided he's gonna go on a mission trip. And, and, you know, so he gave up a very elite sort of lifestyle because his parents were really rich, but he decided that he's gonna give his life for, for the Lord. And when he started, he said, he, he wrote this in his Bible he said no reserves he says i decided to fight the lord without after the lord without any kind of reserves and then halfway through his life sometime he he wrote i have no retreats i will not back down whenever i feel like i have to sacrifice i will not stand down and right before he died he wrote no regrets i hope that our lives mirror that that when you start going for the lord you have no no reserves no retreats no regrets but that starts with actually getting to know our lord and savior jesus christ i'll say this this last thing that peter came to jesus and said jesus we gave up everything to follow you What 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 he was saying what he was asking jesus like tell us this is bigger than than just me following you lord i gave up my business and fishing lord i gave up everything to follow you tell me this is bigger and jesus is like oh you have no idea i mean this is this is a lot bigger than that i called you out of darkness into the light so you no longer be fisher uh fishermen of, of of fish but you'd be a fisherman of men peter somebody will write about you and slavic whoever other names are, we'll talk about you 2,000 years from now. Not only that, but we have a whole eternity to talk about the things we went through and the struggles. So I encourage you today if, you, if you're struggling with something, if you're going through a really, really rough season of your life, remember that you're struggling as sons. Remember there's a reward at the end. But make sure that you do the steps you have to do. Make sure that you put your eyes on Jesus. Make sure you repent and make sure you see a growth in your life. Make sure that you serve in the house and you are invested because where your, where your treasure is, right? Like where you put your time and your money, there your heart is going to be. If you want your heart to be passionate about people, invest in people. If you want your heart to be passionate about the church, invest in, in the church. And the last one, that you share your faith? Will you become a witness to what God is doing in our generation. Would you stand with me? Thank you for listening to Eternal Stance. My hope is that these messages will help you to live in light of eternity. If this podcast is a blessing to you, would you share with other people? Thank you in advance, and until next time, God bless you.